Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we drink scotch in our tea as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 131st episode in the series, If At Last You Do Succeed. What are you saving me for? <laughs> the old stick man's back. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this at 9 a.m., so it would be pretty funny if I put some scotch in the tea I'm drinking. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> Good times, good times. Um, Pothead, it's here. the The turn of Stan Zbornak is here. Can I be Pothead? <laughs> um, so, so tell me what you think of this, because you know your feelings about Stan are complicated, and uh, um, perhaps not as complicated very. as other people. But but you know, yeah. But go ahead. I want I want to hear. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him. I think it's like. A little bit of me is like, okay, it's bound to happen. Like he he's just making these ridiculous inventions and um like finally yeah, he yeah. saw a need that had to be met. It's like Shark Tank before there was Shark Tank, you know, he like <laughs> saw a need that needed to be met and he designed the thing. Um totally. I you're, you're obviously... right in that he actually throughout the entire series thus far, he does have a lot of like I thought this was the one. He has a lot of he makes up a lot of inventions. Like he actually is somewhat creative. Yeah, those spire engine thing, like you know the yeah. um, what is it when he's mopey dopey and yeah, fire <laughs> engine like the... Santa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I obviously have trouble with the weird reliance on Dorothy. Um, there's oh, yeah. a lot of also super racist jokes. Um, that we'll, oh, we'll yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, but I mean overall, I'm I like it. I think it's it's funny. I. I didn't realize till we were watching them in this way, like how rare Stan is. Like in my imagination oh, of yeah. the show, he's he's like on a lot, yeah. <laughs> and he's real. I mean, he's he's on it, you know, frequently, but it's not as yeah. much as I remembered. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's got a prime commercial slot, six twenty eight p.m. at that time. Oh, I know, can't right? beat it. I, I agree with everything you said so far, particularly with the reliance on Dorothy and all of that complex stuff. But I think what's interesting to me is that, like, he, it, 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 this episode is sort of presenting him as like, he's he's now completely turned his life around and should be forgiven for his past sins because he made money. <laughs> like, well, it's yeah. kind of a weird like and it's interesting because it is the subtext of this entire like pivot point for him right because there's a lot of conversations which we'll get into about like oh did you see him like he's a new man he's just like you know uh you know like like i i've changed and you're like okay yeah but like you 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 just sort of hit it big like you you one of your things changed and like yeah you had to have some degree of maturity i suppose to get to that point but it doesn't change anything else about you except that you're now richer <laughs> you right. know like it's like the, he's trying to buy your love i'm selling it like yeah <laughs> just such a great but i guess line. there's some generosity too i mean like there is and he's trying to make amends with money which is dorothy's point but i think i think that there's a lot of commentary about how he's changed and they actually the writers run with this as we will see in the future for their yeah. burgeoning relationship rekindling but um and it's not to say that he does, he isn't written differently or performed differently, you know, after this point. But I just wanted to, like, note that, like, that's kind of the only thing that changed. It's not like he, like, 
went to AA and started like really apologizing in, in earnest. Right. Well, I think that's also an interesting point because like how much of his, which I'm not excusing in any way. I think this is actually relatively commonly linked with um, ideas of masculinity and success is like, I wonder if he actually is acting better because he feels better because he's successful because like, he never actually deals with any of his stuff. Like, I mean, I guess he does I later when he so, gets the monkey. M O N E Y. Yeah, but but that's what I mean. Like that, like M O N E Y stand is like <laughs> way better because he's actually attempting to change. Like right. that's that's my point. Is that like he he's in sort of the like the beginning stages of that transformation, but other characters are acting like he's fully transformed already, which part of it is the device for like, it's a sitcom and they just have right. to push things yeah. along and they're trying to get to a better stand story. And I really appreciate that. Right. Because it's like, you know, at this point in the series, you know, to your point, he doesn't show up every episode, but he does show up quite often and he's always the same old character. So they needed like a nice fresh spin on Stan and I really like that because I like where they go with him in the like the you know this series this um season and the next yeah 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 totally and it is like it's so like the trajectory is so clear it's like okay now he has money so now he's repenting so now he's like confident and Dorothy's attracted to him again and it but I I think like I don't know. I feel like we had set, we still do, but like money is such a big thing on this show and like getting rich is such a big theme of like, you know, and it's really, I think also that's part of it is like whenever they think it's happened to them, it's really short lived and it, it's not actually true. But this, like, I feel like even as you're watching it, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, oh, maybe it's like copyright infringement or like, yeah, I don't know, there's going to be a potato shortage or something, but it's not. It's just like he, he is being successful. Um, So yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's really interesting to see his trajectory and also like the way that Dorothy responds to him. Yes. Like once again, beyond this episode. Right, right. Beyond the episode for sure. But I, I think that it's, you know, I guess where I'm coming from, I, I follow the trajectory of Dorothy where it's like, I am surprised that he stands up for himself, but he, you know, he, he uses this whole, like, you know, you know, there were a lot of great times in, in that marriage. Right. And you're like, he's talking about them being married as if they haven't been split for six years. And if he hadn't still been a yutz for the past six years, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, It's one of those things where it's just using the device of like, almost like they just split up and he had this epiphany. It's like, no, you've been using her even beyond well beyond your coupleship you know and like you know co-parenting roles whatever but um anyway i i actually i actually don't feel so strongly about stan in this episode i just wanted to offer that perspective because that's kind of where my mind went where i was surprised at sort of the immediate celebration of him Um, yeah i agree i totally agree and it's also like he's still being him his like immature self when he's like oh i don't know how to tie tie and he also gets mad at her for refusing which is like she doesn't owe you anything you know like there's still not anything yeah it's a new stand old stand it's the same stand (laughs) honestly that's such a good point and you just articulated what i also was feeling in this whole thing which is that like he does sort of demand for her to almost forgive him because he's crying which is another fucking white dude like immature thing where it's like 
I feel like they're all sorts of like public figures is like, you know, like, like fucking former Nazis or something that are like, I turned around, I've changed. And you're like, okay, but you harmed a lot of people and no one owes you fucking shit. So good yeah. job. Do better, but you don't get more than a pat on the back. That's it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot yeah. of this whole like redemption. Now, now I should be fine. Now people like have sex with me. <laughs> you're like, right. no, no one owes you anything, man. Like, it's not, it's not like that. So I think that you really articulated that well, because it's sort of like, he doesn't get that far in terms of demanding, but he gets pissed off that she won't like, you know, let, let him in again, I think. Right. You know, and you're right. She doesn't fucking owe him anything. In fact, like leave the car in the driveway and give her the keys and the deed and leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can know? I be pothead? <laughs> All right. But can we, uh, let me, let me just, I want to talk some numbers real quick. All right. So skipping ahead to Zbornko's uh, prime time slot. <laughs> and I also love the idea of walking into a home and turning on a television and having the commercial show up right there. It's perfect. The best. It can be done. Um, <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> so Sophia does the calculation, right? She's like, you know, 1295 times 500,000. Stan, you're rich, you know? So he right. grosses, I just want to, you know, because I'm not a numbers person. I cannot do this in my head. So I clearly looked it up. He grosses $6,475,000, right? If 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 it is so true that it's over 500,000 sold and at 1295, right? So- even if he nets like 20% of that, which I don't know the novelty market in 1980s, so I'm not <laughs> sure what the margins are, but he does clear over a million dollars, right? And that's, you know, obviously that's profit in terms of like, I'm assuming he then paid, he paid his workers and manufacturers or whatever. Also, LOL at the fact that like he's able to scale up a business that quickly, um, but whatever. Uh <laughs> <laughs> sure like stan is a boss like give me a break he's just like a caricature of michael scott kind of um but uh in 2022 dollars that gross turns into 14 million dollars <laughs> yeah if you invested in all of that he would he would be able to live off of that money absolutely sure. exactly yeah. exactly for sure so that's yeah but again then we see him like buying dumb shit so you know whatever not not that a game boy is going to break the bank in in 1990 but still yeah. um but so my question for you is in 2022 dollars um would you pay uh 29 dollars 2877 to be exact um for a big potato opener <sighs> Gosh, uh, wow, inflation really, really hit the yeah, right? market hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I am, I haven't found myself, I don't eat that many baked potatoes, so I feel like I'm not yeah. encountering this problem enough to justify the problem. But I will say, <laughs> I true. would pay $28 for like a kitchen device that solved a problem that I have regularly, which, like, there you I go. Can't, you know, I can't think of one at this point, but I, I see the appeal of it. Yeah, I'll say that. That's true. That's true. I mean, I think it's really, um, it's interesting because it, it, yeah, it's, it's actually less of a novelty device to your point and more of like an infomercial kitchen gadget, Very which is so funny because yeah. I mean, this is the era of infomercials, right? Like the nineties or it's like, my fucking favorite. Hey, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loved them. Ron Popeil and you know, just looking for share in 2 a.m. Yeah, for real, for real. Exactly. Oh my God. So <laughs> Oh God, the old television. Oh my God, it's amazing. I just have a big flashback. To we'll never TV. know. We'll never know. I mean, literally between Gen watching Z. like the Golden Girls and stuff, trying to find it on different uh, channels. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but 
but yeah i just you know it is it is interesting right to to like project uh sans business acumen into the future here because it's uh you know it is an impressive number for sure so yeah yeah totally i um yeah it's so funny to think about like you got to turn on the channel like you know because it wasn't commercials exactly but actually my cousin would call me if the golden girls was on at a time that it Love wasn't it. regularly scheduled so we could yeah. be watching at the same time so i feel like you know that's such a a fun memory to have um and like yeah it's something that is so not a thing anymore it's yeah, it's over exactly. now Maybe I'll try to get you a baked potato opener for like your birthday or something. I don't know. Would you use it? <laughs> maybe I would make baked potatoes. I don't know. Like, maybe that's what <laughs> bring back potatoes. I guess so. I guess so. Definitely not my favorite form of potato. I will say. No. That. Oh God. Not even top five. <laughs> not, I know. Me. Not even close. Exactly. <laughs> um, I love oh. Sam's attachment to potatoes though. I do think that's a really funny gag that like, I'm sure it was just like the writers throwing something at a wall and they were like, that's funny. Let's go with that. And like, yeah, yeah. He's the potato king. <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. And they just like keep everything. Like, I don't know. It is funny. Cause I feel like it would actually be um, <laughs> like if, if you did become rich off of like a thing, right. You would kind of make that your personality, at least from like a business branding sense, you know? Yeah, totally. Yep. That's pretty funny. Um, um, <laughs> couldn't fit the whole potato head. <laughs> exactly like never never give it up um you want to talk about rose's cup <laughs> is my yeah. cup out there i don't want to oh my god my i don't want to sell my cup i lost my ass in vegas i fucking love it people in simpsons t-shirts <laughs> it's so good it's so degrading but like i but agree so you know funny. i have that exact but the Simpsons is brand new at this point. They they only debuted in 1989. Like it's kind of funny, right? Like as a, a lot reference. of merchandising, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. They just ran with it right away, you know, after the Tracy Ullman show. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Of like, you know, it it fits really well with Blanche like not wanting to do that. Although hilariously, in like a few episodes, like I she know. has an estate sale which is different than a garage sale for sure you know and they already have totally. a garage sale with a you know bobby holes hockey stick and shit like that um way earlier in the the uh the series but um i do think i mean it's all worth it just for the lost my ass and Vegas i agree it's such a great line <laughs> um but uh okay but even from the before that like they open at nighttime which i think is interesting um and i just love the bring to a near boy perfect like, <laughs> like they almost overuse the gag because they do it three times but it kind of it like the beats sort of work with that whole yeah framing. i think it's funny near taste this you know <laughs> i like a prank i can hear yeah <laughs> um but it's great so you know so anyway we have again to your point of like this whole like money slipping through your fingers and um you know get rich quick and things might right, right around the corner be um you know just fall apart i mean that's literally the b story <laughs> yeah like, totally you know, like, oh my god i look we're rich we're rich you're half right yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking great charlie would want me to have them george would want me to keep them i mean i think that is hysterical and when they say those lines you know i'll match you for dead husband for dead husband I love the idea. Like every time they say those lines, I go through this like thought exercise of if the husbands were alive 
and like these women were like hanging out as you know as couples do <laughs> of just yeah. like like George and Blanche would absolutely be like that right they're like these like somewhat conniving selfish you know people compared to like Rose and Charlie just like innocently you know plotting through life <laughs> totally it's exactly what it is and it's so good when Blanche is like don't try that with me because like I know Rose isn't she's not being conniving to your point but like that's not gonna work <laughs> I got one too you know like I feel like that is totally. I really love that bit so uh, it's re- it's, I know it's such a great bit it's it's so you know uh illustrative of like their relationships but also is just really funny <laughs> on its own and like what do you think about okay so what do you think about this whole like ethical conundrum because like as a friend yes Blanche should split him but they did like if this were I think if this went to court it Blanche would win actually because like they uh, yeah. had an agreement that was like no returns like you're taking it I don't want to deal with any of this stuff Rose That's didn't true. look through it I think if yep. they were so good we named it and they were on Judge Mathis <laughs> um <laughs> I think that Blanche would win I, I think so too. I think, I mean, yeah, I think, but I think that that's the tricky part and that's exactly the perfect conundrum that is set up by this because it's not just the strictly legal sense, right? Like Blanche is right, but like that's shitty. And it's like, even like splitting them with Rose, right? Is like, makes sense. And then we also have this whole conundrum yet again. is like, this is your landlord. <laughs> your yeah. tenant, you know, <laughs> like, come on. It's exactly. really kind of funny. So yeah, I I agree that it's it's probably it's it's Blanche's deal. I think there the two ethical conundrums, right? Is like, you know, there's the the friend part, but then there's this whole like bankrupting a town issue. And I think that this is like for me, I don't know fucking shit about bonds or pensions or like all this stuff. All I know is that you know cities are made up of people in power who are generally shitty across the board in many <laughs> senses. So they often fuck up these funds, right? Like they all, especially funds that are like supposed to be managed over numbers of decades, and then you know sort of a payout at the end. So I wonder, like, what you know did like you know what like what what actually happened there and it's like again legally in in a court of law or judge mathis <laughs> like <laughs> like if if they took it to saint olaf and they were like we can't pay you know you're just like well what let's trace it back and like what happened there right like what did everybody just hold these bonds for nothing like what what is the situation right cuz we're i mean we're clearly way after world war 2 but we're not that far out no. And I mean, there's clearly some financial mismanagement happening given the $500,000 emergency statute fund and like, correct, you know, something's going on there. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think like this is a really interesting, like, I don't, I guess not legally, but sort of like, you know, the black and white is that they have this agreement whatever but then there's like this moral like this morality that adds to the gray area of like what is actually the right thing to do and it reminds me so much of the good place like which is like yeah yeah how do you do the right thing when the right thing is so complex um and yeah I mean like I just it's such a great setup like regardless of what the actual (laughs) right thing to do is like it's really funny to see them it's great that it's Blanche and Rose it's great that it has to do with like bankrupt like <laughs> little town the cradle of idiocy idiocy is about to be bankrupt know, like right? what a great gag <laughs> also good like, and like the, the, the attack cows bit <laughs> oh i know i know 
amazing. Um, so I think what's so funny is like the that whole emergency statue fun thing where like Dorothy doesn't if you watch Dorothy in that scene right where she's ripping up the bonds like Blanche like Dorothy's face changes on a dime and it's actually mm-hmm. like you almost could attribute it like I think B. Arthur actually plays it well in terms of like representing having a sudden thought but it also looks like she's just waiting for her cue <laughs> you know so it's kind of funny if you keep your eyes on Dorothy in that entire scene the minute Blanche rips the first one Dorothy goes wait a minute wait wait like she kind of like <laughs> like does it right up perfectly on time which obviously is the gag and you're watching Blanche you're not watching Dorothy in that scene unless you're approaching it for the 40 million time like you and I are um <laughs> but it's interesting to study it right because it's almost like she's just sort of like it almost doesn't look natural right because she it is like supposed to be like a sudden realization yeah <laughs> like, yeah sorry Blanche, I'm like, giving you some really bad advice here really tough it's really tough to hear <laughs> Um, I think it's also funny because Blanche and Rose are both so stubborn. Actually, all yeah. four of them, I think, kind of have a stubborn streak. But, like, the, the they, like, could probably just figure out, like, what to do. But they're both so unwilling to, like, budge. Right. right um. Right. So, I think, yeah, I think it's it's funny when, like, the realization comes up and then, like, Blanche is left to try to reason with this unreasonable place. (laughs) Like the physical representation of the money in like a piggy bank. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. It's amazing. (laughs) This is the, she's like, if you, if you, if the, there's no more town, you don't have a place to put the statue. Wow. A loophole. (laughs) So good. And it's just left at that, but I love it. I love it so much. A loophole. Oh, (laughs) But that's the, the statue money. Oh God, it's really good. It's so funny because it's it plays with a Saint Olaf story that is obviously ludicrous as all of them are. But we've spoken about this before is that it takes me out of it when it's like really, really so absurd that it, it veers on like fantastical and it's just not like I it takes me out of it. But like this one is so it's so toes the line, but like I could totally see it. <laughs> I yeah, totally see again with like mismanagement of like city funds and just Rose arguing like I don't understand I've always been told that this is the statue money so I like have no other way of thinking about it and like she's like literally trying to reason with somebody who just like keeps hitting a wall like like Rose is trying to understand she really is but she can't yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking funny oh god this yeah show. Speaking of uh, ridiculous St. Olaf stories, I mean, we got to talk about Skylab. <laughs> Skylab <laughs> fell on her. <laughs> I also love can knock it up and schwingle. Love it oh, so yeah. much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> what a great little town. I know. Oh, it's perfect. That's great. Yeah. Skylab fell on her makes me die every time because it's just so it's such a like, like left field ending to a story. <laughs> I know. who saw it coming nobody true and they actually ask what happened right like they're actually interested in the story <laughs> and then it's like ridiculous be thankful for your help I know nah. it's like of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> how'd you not get that out of that <laughs> uh, yeah so good it's really great um okay so last episode when we talked about how we always talk about big daddy and we sort of like tiptoe around the fact that he's like a raging racist asshole um but last sure last, uh, <laughs> sure. last episode 
Rose of all people actually says she calls him a bigot. Like she actually yep. calls him a bigot instead of like everybody's like knows he is. And like Blanche has a million comments to that effect. Like she actually is like that bigot was there for you. And we talked about that last episode about how that was kind of a little groundbreaking. Well, I love that in this one, like he, again, coming in hot once like we're hitting like a lot of these different beats of like you know he was just like women should not be allowed to vote like we haven't heard something that i mean <laughs> there is the start of fire from the bottom but it's like it, it's it's getting intense <laughs> it's, it's yeah just getting it's getting out. Worse. it's like putting it out there <laughs> totally so it's really interesting um yeah oh god i miss that man anyway um yeah there's a build-up that i wonder if it's like I wonder what the motivation is there. Or maybe like, they're just like, all right, like, let's be realistic about this guy. I yeah. I feel a little like they're trying to build up to the episode that I think is two from now when, when um, <clears throat> Mammy Watkins comes in. Oh yeah. Okay. So like, we don't have this fantastical idea of him. Although I don't know. I kind of feel like anybody watching this with any nuance, like particularly any Yankees are like that guy. I know that guy and he is not a good guy, you know, like I, so I, oh I feel like they're just trying to like lay it out. Um, But yeah, I mean that, that whole gag is really funny when Blanche is like, women should not be allowed to vote. It's like, I know. Oh, we're in dragons. <laughs> when I said, give it to the old lady, I did mean you. Yeah. Which always cracks me <laughs> yes! up because it's like, it, it cracks me up. Cause I'm like, oh, well then we should re-vote. Blanche has another vote. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's I'm not taking fair. it literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good lord. Um. Anyway, yeah. It's it's so. I just wanted to point that out, and I think you're right about like the Mammy Watkins thing. Um, where we're just you know we're talking about Big Daddy in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um. And like you know what I think is also interesting is like Blanche is often put in this particular sort of um conflict where it's like her morals versus money i feel like this happens like yeah, more often than more like more than once and i feel like it's interesting that it's always her that we find that in that scenario because like she has money so like you know like yeah, even yeah. when the house is like gonna when um some the what's his name wants to buy the house like she often finds herself in this predicament um and i think it's interesting because she's also the most selfish of the girls and like I don't know. It's a really, they use it a lot, but I think they really keep it interesting, um, yeah. which I think is a real, you know, just another praise of the writers um, and the creators of this I show. So like, but it I comes think, up but a lot. <laughs> but, but what do you know about rich people? Rich people are always the ones that are the most selfish. That's why they're rich. <laughs> like this is, this is how it works. Right. So it's like, to me, it makes perfect fucking sense that the person who has the most money of the three of them would want more money. <laughs> it's like well, yeah it just clicks in obviously Sophia has that too but part of that is like you know trying to um like it's kind of her immigrant status but also like she has you know she's the next selfish person I would say in terms of like the caricature you know yeah. the characters and the personality types but um but yeah to your point it's sort of like well it would go a lot longer you know like the money would go a lot longer like I said before for your fucking tenants who are renting as opposed to the woman who owns the house <laughs> right oh yeah good times but yeah it's funny um <laughs> I want to talk about Dorothy and Stan uh when she finally you know sort of agrees to go with him to this dinner um where she's like you know i'll take me that long to get ready and stuff it's like it's such a sweet moment and then she like 
talks about fastening her pearls and like <laughs> does this weird like face stroke move which is like I don't know it always to me feels kind of forced maybe because I even in a romantic situation would probably never touch someone like that um but Ugh, <laughs> it yuck. always cracks me up <laughs> I can agree? see it though I see it yeah Ugh. yuck Anyway, I wanted to bring that up. I mean, it, you know, it's it's kind of a, a sweet deal. And then he comes back and he made a bunch of racist jokes and they're like, oh, poor, poor people. Yeah, it's very intimate. Um, But when yeah. I do love it, she's like, no, the real ones. Like, it's another dig. I know, um, it, it's nice, yeah. And he needs to be knocked down a peg, obviously. Like, he's <laughs> really riding high. For sure, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think we should, like... God, anytime there's like a different culture or a different race, like it's such a low blow, but like they so many Japanese jokes and like not good, obviously. Like really Oh yeah. Like just like there's first of all, any of them are too many, but there's so like anytime it comes up that these people he's meeting with are Japanese investors, it's like, oh, here's another joke. Like, here's another cliche that people think about Japanese people. Like, this yeah. is a really, they're really, it's really concentrated, I guess. I don't know that I think, like, I can compare this to other ones, but yeah, yeah. there's a lot in a small window here. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's no like, good. I don't know. I mean, it's funny because it's like, all I think of is like, the actual you know the respectable soft sell like the business like the, 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 yeah, Japanese the deal. business people where they're just sort of like you have to put up with racism if you're going to make a deal for money in america right like it's just like their side of things is like oh my god a fucking guy wouldn't shut up about hirohito we get it like we're japanese leave it alone you know like it's just kind of funny of like imagining their end of things it's just like I don't know. It's, it's very like, true to life, I feel like, for Japanese absolutely. investors. Absolutely. No, very true. Very true. Where you just have to sort of suck it up, right? Like, it's like there's the end sort of justifies the means, but it's extremely degrading to just be reduced very. to a caricature. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> but I like how, like, our studies show that the Japanese actually hate rice. <laughs> like, but they hate off. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's studies <laughs> i mean it is i know it's our studies like he's got this whole research thing it's so bullshit oh my god um all right i do want to well obviously you know in our in our intro the milk or lemon scotch forget it ma what are you saving me for is excellent uh and also everybody hide the corn day is really uh, phenomenal i love that everybody no, had the corn day you get no explanation <laughs> whatsoever like it's oh it's really i great. hope we can reach somebody <laughs> I know so good it's so goofy and I mean even the children's cheese museum gag where she's like yeah he's learning about it on the street like Ro I mean Betty White is just like so she is off to the races she's so so good and like I don't know when she's like I have a frog buried there it's so cute and like adorable and like it shouldn't be me as a person who has no tolerance for like ridiculousness i should be like that yeah. get over it it's too much money oh but i God. am moved it's so good <laughs> <laughs> amazing i know it's really wonderful um all right i have i just have one more question the end joke i don't really understand it <laughs> which one darth are you gonna send me to an early grave too, too late, late ma. ma good night <laughs> yeah because it's too like, late to be an early grave she's so old 
I guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of hilarious. Like I doesn't, I, I could take it like 10 other different ways. So that's, so that's how you're interpreting it. Got it. Okay. That's what I think. Yeah. I think it's pretty, I think it's Got like, it. okay. Hello. Thank that makes um, The only okay. other thing I wanted to say is like, it's pretty impressive that they're doing this. Will they or won't they with a divorce couple whose divorce has been pretty played out for us yeah, before. That is this. true um which isn't you know it's not like an original idea or anything but i do i feel like the the level of tension and also like sort of like it's i think it's a really good slow build of them together again too um so i i think it's it's a good way to use stan and like he's definitely i do think he comes in more the later seasons at least from my my memory um so I'm excited to see him more and see that like yeah. kind of grow. And, you know, I love it's, it's a while off, but I love the monkey show and I feel oh, like yeah. we're getting that, we're getting that stand. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I think, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really leading up to a good like slate of episodes, <laughs> but it's funny. Cause like, you're talking about also like leading up to the big daddy jokes leading up to like two episodes from now with Mammy and it's like, I wonder, I, I haven't seen anything in the Jim Colucci book about sort of like playing out arcs, but obviously the the writers are the same, right? We have like, especially like Mark Cherry and Jamie Wooten are like powerhouses in like sort of the latter years of this series. So it's kind of interesting of like, if they're thinking of the same beats over and over, right? Or just like the, the way that different writers conceive these existing characters and want to take them in different directions. I think it's really fascinating. So same thing with Stan, like we're going to see people, you know, newer writers interpret him in a different way and it's exciting. Yeah, totally. Love it. Well, anyway, well, thanks for explaining the last joke to me. (laughs) (laughs) What else, uh, what else do you have for this one? Anything? Um, no, I mean, the only other thing I have is that that Blanche and Rose's sleepwear is like very <laughs> of them. Blanche is wearing this like pink and purple silk chiffon get up and yeah. Rose is wearing this like Amish looking flannel, which like, again, <laughs> what is the temperature? I'd love to know. Um, but it just feels like it's literally like the costuming is just so yeah. on the nose. It's great. Perfect. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> it's so great. Wonderful. All right. Well, this was a great one. Um, Join us next time. We're going to discuss on a scale of one to 10, how hot naming all seven of the Chicago seven gets us. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, everybody.